Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. Now, to tell you something, people, I got some Christmas shopping done before December 1st. It's weird. Joanne wanted some Uggs and an immersion blender, so I got them on sale because I, I love the sales. You people know that. And what's funny is I can't des- decide if to start Christmas until it's after Charlie Brown's Christmas special. It's always been a certain thing to me, and it's not until December 6th. And Joanne wants to decorate the house this weekend, but I'm like, Charlie Brown's Christmas hasn't been on. So it's just one of those things about tradition and now moving back east that, you know, Christmas is a lot different. When I lived in L.A., I would go to a bar and watch Charlie Brown Christmas when I was single. Here, though, we watch it at home, and it feels like Christmas. So, anyway, I hope you guys are getting ready for Christmas, and uh, we have a great show. We actually, our guest today is, grew up near the Philadelphia area, and I call it the Philadelphia area, and she's an amazing actor. She's been on Broadway. She's been in TV, and my guest is Megan Geller. How you doing, Megan? Hey, I'm good. For you. Good. Now, I got to ask you, you grew up in Reading, and now yeah. you lived in L.A. for a long time. How did you acclimate to Christmas? Because I was in L.A. for like 17 years, and I still never had that East Coast feel of Christmas when I it's lived so, up there. How have you acclimated? So, you know what I think it is now? Well, first of all, I have a sister who lives here as well, who also, you know, we all grew up in Reading. Um and I think, first of all, I had a gradual L.A. sort of reality because I was um, truly, truly bicoastal for, oh, God, like, I don't know, 15 years, 20 or something. I was I had an apartment in New York and I and I had a place here in Westwood um, before I met my husband. And, you know, so I was going back and forth a lot. So I sort of warmed up into it. But I think I was always back east for Christmas until my kids were born. And I think that's what makes that. So their Christmas, which is now the only Christmas we do, and I do Christmas at my house uh, on Christmas Day. Um, that's, that is what Christmas means because it's, it's entirely about them. Um, so, so I think that's how it worked. I, I had a little, you know, uh, warm up and then basically. We're not looking back. I, I miss the East Coast. I really do. But uh, but I also realize that the weather has changed drastically back there, you know? Oh, man. And it's, it's, Let me tell yeah, you, uh, t- t- yeah. today it's it feels like it's 27 with the wind chill factor. And, you know, as I said, I, I just moved back a year and a half ago. But it has. Yeah. It's always cold and it always rains. Every weekend this past summer, every Saturday, it rained. I know, I know. So I try to, uh, I still have romantic notions about moving back in, and I, um, I'm, I'm actually hearing a weird kind of reverb. I don't know if you hear that as I'm, I'm speaking. Oh, now it's gone. Now it's gone. Um, but it's, uh, for me right now, a really, really, really nice place to visit. But uh, I got to say, I kind of count my blessings, other than the horrendous fire season, right. which we just went um, for the most part, you know, knock wood, it's, um, it's really nice here uh, so much. And, I, you know, just being able to open my door and let the dog in the backyard and do, you know, I mean, stuff like that is just, you know, I, I completely take it for granted. So, so for now we're, we're staying, we're staying here. <laughs> now, now you grew up in Reading and if people, if you're not familiar, Reading's about, I guess, what, an hour, hour 15 from Philadelphia? Yeah. Yeah. About, I mean, yeah, traffic kicked back. Now, when did you start getting into acting? I know I read somewhere that your mom was an actor younger, but when did when did you start getting into acting or peaking an interest to get into the acting craft? I truly thought about it, I think, in 
in elementary school. Um, and it was before my mother had been an actress and, uh, and a model. Um, and she met my father, in fact, in a um, theater program, a very, a very well-to-do theater program at the time at Catholic University in Washington, D.C. And uh, he, he, he always said that he got into it because he wanted to meet girls. Yeah. <laughs> but she, uh, she was getting her master's there. And, um, and she was a really wonderful actress. Sadly, um, well, she had an amazing, rewarding life in many, many, many ways and on many levels. She never really did it professionally because she met my dad. They got married. They had six children, something I can't even imagine. Um, and so that kind of got in the way of what might have been <laughs> a real, you know, a big theater career for her. But she really was very, very talented. And she got back into it on a non-professional level in Reading because there were a few really good non-professional theater groups in that town, which is kind of extraordinary because Reading is not a gigantic city, but there were three different groups. Um, she participated in two of them. And so I kind of grew up watching her in plays and, you know, um, just having a sense of it sort of through her experience. And, and so when I was in sixth grade, so I was about 12, I started taking acting lessons at the Wyomissing Institute of Fine Arts and because we lived in Wyomissing. And, uh, and I just never looked back. I, it's, it's what I wanted to do. I did it all through high school at the time, Wyomissing High School, where I was at school, didn't really have any kind of theater program or even an active theater uh, draw, you know, like uh, uh, club. But Douglas Carter Bean and I um, sort of revived the whole thing um, because we were both working at a theater downtown called Genesius. And um, so that's how it, you know, so I, I was either doing a show at Genesius or a show at school or both. And then when I was 18, I auditioned for Juilliard and, um, and for NYU. And I got into both and I went to Juilliard and that's it, you know, but, um, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And I, I, I kind of felt in a way when I see my daughter is extreme, really talented, I have to say, and, and on many levels, and she also loves to perform, but I just think it's really important in life to sort of find your tribe, you know, and the people that you can relate to, and it's really, really crucial in high school and during those developmental years, so I, I kind of feel like theater saved me <laughs> in many ways. I, I just don't know what I would ever have done without it, really. Now, now you said you went to Juilliard. Now, I, I always, you know, it's such a hard school to get into. What was your, yeah. what was the process of the audition? Because you're getting, you know, you have to figure, you're getting kids who are 17 or 18 who they don't have right. a lot of talent. Even if they've been acting since they were a kid, they don't, it's not like they sit there and have a lot of experience. What was it like for your audition? And what was it like, with, was it very competitive once you got into the school? Oh, yeah. It's it's competitive the entire time. And it's funny because I just went back. I'm doing college tours now with my daughter. And it was one of the places that we looked at. And that's not to say I don't know that she is going to apply to any professional acting training programs, by the way. I, I In fact, I think she's not. She's um, she's a, an amazing writer and she writes music. And so she she's kind of doing a lot of other things, you know, in addition to that. So... I think, in a way, an acting program might be too limited for her. But, um, but uh, yes, 
you know, they, they Juilliard has changed and evolved in certain ways since I was there. Um, part of the distillation process, I think, is that it is a classical theater training program. So if you don't have an affinity for that, um, then you're probably not going to get in, you know, to that particular program. You have to you have to uh, audition with a couple of monologues, and then there's a callback. Um, uh, you audition, and they have, I, from what I understand even now, they have sort of uh, satellite auditions around the country and uh, where they send members of the faculty out to sort of see, you know, who's in the, I don't know, Dallas-Fort Worth area, who's in Los Angeles, who's in Chicago. And then, uh, and then there's a callback uh, for the sort of the final cut in New York, but um, but one of the things that I think they, they've decided to do at that school, which might be a better than when I was there, is that I was kind of, I was the youngest one in my class, and I was right out of high school, and theater really was my, my life and my reality, and I had done a lot of performing at the point, I mean, it wasn't professional, but it was uh, in really interesting, challenging things for a long time, and a, and a lot of it is just, you know, getting to do it, getting to get up in front of an audience, and knowing how to um, sort of uh, uh, factor that in to what, you know, to what you're doing, to how you're telling the story, what part of the story you're telling. Um, but I think generally speaking now, they're not taking as many people straight out of high school. I don't, I, I, I'm not, that's not to say that they will not take someone out of high school, but they would sort of almost rather you do a couple of years of college or, you know, and there were a lot of people uh, in my class as well that had, there were, there were some of us that, that came out of high school, but there were a bunch of kids that, for instance, came out of the Performing Arts High School in New York City. And I think with the exception of Lorraine Toussaint, who uh, is a wonderful actress, I don't, I don't know if you know her work, but she's terrific. Uh, I think all those people got cut, you know, because at that time there was a cut at the end of the first year and at the end of the second year. And so... Um, you know, the 25 people or so, 20 people that got in initially were cut down to 14 or 15 by the, by the end of the second year. And, uh, and then you were meant to be um, sort of a little repertoire company. So uh, it's, it was very competitive. And when I, we just, we were just back East and we looked at that school. And as I walked through the halls, I thought, hmm, how would Andrea, <laughs> my daughter, how would she take this? How would she, how would she feel about this? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, um, it was an amazing place to be and, you know, it continues to turn out brilliant actors, um, and has an awesome faculty and it's a great, great program, but, but it's tough. It's actually, it's a tough place to be. Now, and you kind of live and die by how they cast you in your third and fourth year. So, um, yeah. Anyway. Now, yeah, when, when you graduated, uh, I'm very grateful to have gone. I'm very but, grateful. But when you graduated, was it yeah. easier to get auditions because you went to Juilliard? It's like you know some things. You know, if you go to a, if you want to be a lawyer and you graduate, let's say Harvard Law, you're going Absolutely. into a law firm. Right. What was what was the the clout? It would be the word I'm using. What was the clout being a Juilliard graduate? had in getting you auditions for theater? You know what? I don't, I, I actually don't think it could be understated. Um, if you're coming out of Juilliard or Yale drama, um, you will meet agents, get an agent. You'll, you'll have opportunities that 
otherwise you wouldn't have. I mean, not that you can't, not that I'm, there's, you know, the theater is filled with many, many, many brilliant people who have come from a lot of other programs and a lot of other schools. Um, uh, but it's branding, you know, it's that it's, it's not necessarily that your experience in drama school was that much better than maybe somebody else's at, at another great program because there's a, there's a number of good programs around the country. Um, but it's, you know, it's a brand name kind of cachet. So, uh, and I think, I think that, that it has, uh, I mean, you'd have to talk to my manager or my agent, but I'm sure that it's one of those things that they feature. If anybody has a question about, well, we don't know, you know, does, do we want to see her? Is she right? Or, you know, and it's, and it's, um, so you can dine out on that for a really, really, really long time. I probably still do. Hey, if, <laughs> so, if it works. You know, I, <laughs> if it works, more power to it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you use what you got to use. It's a very competitive industry. So, so yeah, you got to so, do, you got to use what you can use. So, so you get out, you graduate. Now, is your dream at that time to do Broadway? I know you ended up in uh, A Few Good Men. What was your process to getting to Broadway and getting stage time once you graduated? Well, you know, it's really, it's it's interesting because they you know I had plenty of ups and downs and and, it, and actually at one point thought I might quit um, because I just wasn't making that much money I loved the theater um, but you know the business is always changing and evolving and now there's all of this new media where you know people I mean it used to be if you look at the music industry now you can have a YouTube video that takes off and that's how somebody's discovered you know it's so. At that time, the the business, at least in New York, and there was also a very different business at that time anyway in New York and in Los Angeles. There's still there's still different places in certain ways, but there's they're a little bit more homogenous now. Um, but at that time, you if you wanted to be a film actor or you wanted to or you just wanted to do anything beyond you know theater, you you kind of had to get those great theater jobs in town and sort of work your way up, maybe off-Broadway, Broadway, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But when I got out of school, that was really shifting a lot. And um, and television was changing. And suddenly, you know, there was a time when um, if you did TV, you could sort of kiss your film career goodbye. You just weren't going to be, unless you were a character actor. Those are the people that, that um, kind of defy all of those rules. But if you were a leading lady or a leading man, uh, you could be a, you could have a TV career, or you could have a theater career, or you could have a film career, and they really, I mean, people went back and forth somewhat, but but again, you were sort of categorized, and um, and it's a business like most businesses that love categorization. It's simple, it's simple for people to understand. So it's all about marketing. Um, so what really happened to me is that I was working in, um, I was doing some. Uh, wonderful theater in town, out of town. At there's great regional theaters around, you know, around New York. Um, I worked at the Long Wharf. I worked at the O'Neill um, Playwrights Conference. Um, I worked in, at the Williamtown Williamstown Theater Festival. Uh, I worked down in Baltimore at, at Center Stage. I did, you know, and they're they're all really, really wonderful, wonderful places to work with the best directors around and the be- and you know the best actors and and I and and again, so I was in a I was in a really good sort of group but I wasn't making any money I was really sort of struggling financially um 
And so my agent at the time said, you have to go out to L.A. You know, you, you, you need to uh, start. So I started going out for pilot seasons. And, um, and I did. I got a pilot the first season I went out. I did not get a pilot, but it didn't get picked up. Uh, it was actually a pilot, this is funny, that was written by Glenn and Les Charles, the Charles brothers okay. who also wrote Cheers. And it was written for Tom Hanks to, do the, to be the lead guy. And he and Splash had just happened. And forget it. He was not going to go back and do another TV <laughs> you know, he did. He did one of the buddies. And then, he, and then he was sort of discovered by the movies and never looked back at, at television. So, um, so Michael Richards actually played the part that he was supposed to play in this pilot. And I was the, the girl in it. Um, but anyway, so it didn't get picked up. And then I went back to New York and I did more theater. And then I went, and then I went back out again. And then anyway, the, I think the second or no, the third time I came out, I got, uh, a, what was meant to be a recurring part in LA law. And, um, and then right on the heels of that, I actually wasn't able to recur on that show because I got a regular role on Hills Blues. So um, I was a regular the last, the final season of, um, of Hill Street Blues. And, uh, and that sort of put me in a really good place in terms of television work. And that then started to, because again, now the, the sort of the crossover between TV, film, you know, marketability, all of that started to really loosen up so that people who were doing television were doing other things and people were doing, you know, film and TV and theater. And, and I really think that I, I, I was I really, I mean, so much of it is luck. You know, you can say that that doesn't mean that I don't think I have an ability that's worthy of these things, but I was, but I, I still have to say I was lucky enough to do Hill Street and then I got another television series called The Slap Maxwell Story um, right after that. And it was and it got great, great reviews. And I I think um, Don Scardino, who directed A Few Good Men on Broadway, was uh, affiliated with Jay Parsons, who was also another show called The Days and Nights of Molly Dodd. And anyway, so he knew me. I was right for this part. I was back in New York. I had been going back and forth all the time anyway because I would do a television series and then I'd go back because I, I was flush then, I had money, so I would go back and I'd do a play, because that's what I really, really loved doing. Um, so I was going back and forth all the time anyway, but I went back and, you know, there's a, there's a wonderful part in this brand new play, and I had actually just taken a job in Baltimore, so I so it became part of the negotiation of the play in Baltimore um, that I needed an understudy in case this other thing happened, and then it happened, and that was A Few Good Men. But... I do think that it was because I started doing television that I was able to do a few good minutes or, you know, get the lead role on Broadway. I mean, otherwise, I just, I don't know. I don't know how long I would have had to just try to slog away, you know, in, in New York. Um, I needed a little bit of uh, name recognition, you know, recognition um, uh, to, to be able to get that part. And, um, and television did that for me. So it was kind of a good combination at the time. What is that like when you're on Broadway, your first night? I have, <laughs> I have, a, I have a friend who was on Broadway, uh, a guy named Tim Martin Gleason, who was in a family opera. And he said yeah. the first night he went on, it's just incredible. What is that like for you? <laughs> someone who had, had gotten some TV recognition, but you love theater and to come back somewhat full circle was were you very very nervous the first night, or were you just eager to go, or what is that like? Well, okay, so here's the here's what happened with you get then because this was a, oh god, this is so crazy. 
Um, because every every production is going to have its unique thing. I mean, let me say in general, Broadway is just it's heaven. Um, for a theater actor, it's the ultimate. And and uh, so I I was I just I was happy as a clam. And then when I got I got to do Angels in America a few years after that and played Harper in that and and I hadn't done some you know theater for a while and I and I, I have to tell you I'm feeling right now like I really need to do a play it's three years since I've done a play and I'm very very I'm busy but um I mean I'm a busy mom and and I work and you know but it's just a different experience and and Broadway even though you know backstage those those dressing rooms they they don't look beautiful and glamorous they just there is um I don't know. They're they're just filled with the souls that have walked through those halls, and it's it's uh, it's pretty much like you've died and gone to heaven. I think for me, um, I don't mind doing eight shows a week. I love doing eight shows. A week. Um, it's uh, it's harder when you have the the schedule where you do two shows on. But still, would um, I long to do it again? Let me put it that way. Um, but with a few good men. I was actually not cast when it was originally, um, and so I took that job in Baltimore, which I told you about. And but I did say it was it was a very weird situation. Anyway, so I went off to do Man and Superman with a wonderful cast, um, but at, at center stage. And uh, anyhow, the gal that was cast, who will remain nameless for the purposes of this podcast, uh, was fired, and. Um, it wasn't working out for whatever reasons. I don't know. I didn't see any, you know, I didn't watch the rehearsals. Um, and uh, it didn't work out. And then they called and said, can you do it? And uh, Tom Hulse was lead guy and they wanted to meet Tommy. And it was going to mean that I missed like, the last week of, of, uh, of performances of the play that I was in. But like I said, that that had been we had discussed that I did have an understudy, so uh, it was difficult to do that. It was no fun, and the artistic director was really really pissed at me. Um, but I, you know, it was a brand new American play on Broadway, and I did have an understudy. So, um, so I had to learn a few good men in four rehearsals. Uh, go on there uh, for the final like two or three performances and then go to New York and do it on Broadway in previews. We had two weeks of previews and then we opened. So I had almost no rehearsal process for that play. Um, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, really, really fast. Still absolutely thrilling. Um, but, uh, but it was, you know, <laughs> took my breath away. It was, it was, it was, it was a time in my life where I just remember thinking, what? such a wild ride. I can't believe I'm, you know, just hang on, hang on, keep going. Um, I was, I was rehearsing, I was doing Man and Superman. And by the way, we did this, the longest possible version of Man and Superman. I don't know if you know that it's a George Bernard Shaw play um, with, um, and there's, there's another play within the play called Don Juan in Hell. We did the whole damn thing. It took like four hours and 15 minutes. And then I would get on the train from Baltimore, go down to, DC, check into the Watergate, rehearse during the day, and then get back and go back and do other, you know, hours of shot at night. It was crazy. But, you know, 
I'd do it again in a second. It was amazing. I want to ask you, you know, you said, you know, you got the job on Hill Street Blues. And by the way, the Slap Maxwell story was a great show. I remember it. And, <laughs> and Dabney you. Coleman Thank was on. You. And it was just cool. It was different for, for back then. <laughs> well, yeah, it was really, I mean, I think that that show didn't get enough. Um, and the creator, Jay Tarsus, I don't think he gets enough credit for the kind of comedy that he sort of um, brought back. Because there were so many things that followed that that were, you know, they were calling them dramedies, what they really were. They were just single camera comedies, but they were kind of dry and they didn't, they, they, they weren't dumbed down for anybody. They were really smart, funny, character driven shows. And, um, and I think that they even in many ways were a precursor to, you know, Larry Sanders show, which I also got to do or shows like the office and, you know, things like that. So anyway, yeah, it was a cool show. I was, that it was really awesome opportunity what it was, was it, very cool what was it like you being on hill street blues because you were newer in in the tv world and that was a very acclaimed show even though it was the last season yeah you had a great cast what is that like for uh for a, a pretty much a newbie as i say you had a few recurring you know you had a spot on la law you had an episode you had an episode here what is that like when you yeah. walk on the set also because you have a background from theater and it's completely different on tv well it, you know i mean some of it uh, technically there are, there are things that you learn how to finesse, you know, for the camera, but, but honestly, the work, the real, the most important part of the work that you do as an actor is, is really the thing, you know, it's, it's, it's really about us trying to connect to whatever is, um, truthful in the moment to you and, you know, and, 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 uh, um, you know, playing what you feel is the, the true thing to play in that moment. Um, so from a from an act point of view, it's very much the same. From a technical point of view, it's different. There are technical adjustments. And I was really lucky, again, on Hill Street because um, it was shot in a very uh, innovative way, especially then because it wasn't, you know, so often. The first thing I ever did on TV was a miniseries called uh, George Washington with Barry Bostwick and... Um, Patty Duke Aston, and it was this big, you know, miniseries, ABC miniseries about George Washington, and I played Benedict Arnold's wife, and it was truly the first time I was ever on a cam on camera, and thank God, Patty Duke Aston, God bless her, God rest her, was so generous because I I said I shared we were driving out to the set, and I said I I've never done this on camera, I've never done this, and she said oh. It's all the same. Don't worry. It's the same kind of work. And it, but she literally showed me in about twenty minutes how to hit my mark without looking at it, and you know, it reminded me that I don't need to project because I'm wired, I'm mic'd, and you know, and how to and and just to you know where to find the camera and make sure that you know, and and to oh and and not to overlap somebody else's dialogue and not to. Um, if, if I could see, if I see a shadow on somebody when I'm standing, that I'm probably slightly off my mark and to make an adjustment. I mean, all that stuff, all that stuff in about 20 minutes, a half an hour. She just kind of said, okay, look for this and look for them, but just relax, just breathe and relax. You'll be great. Don't worry. <laughs> so, um, so I'd learned that by the time I did Hill Street, but, um, but then I, you know, I, again, I was surrounded by wonderful actors, um, you know, Betty Thomas and Charlie Haight and Bruce Weitz and, and, and Michael Warren. I love Michael. Um, and those guys, and they, and they were just super sweet and helpful. And, um, you know, you get the hang of it. You get the hang of it. But it's, it's mostly technical adjustments. It's really not 
emotional, artistic adjustments so much that that kind that part of the work is pretty much the same. Now, how long how long were you on a few good men for? How long were you on that run? I did it. Gosh, I did it for like eleven. I can't remember if I left after nine or 11 months. I feel like I, I think I left after nine months, nine or 10 months, something like that. The contract was for six months. Um, but I did it longer than that. Yeah. And cause I remember a bunch of people left in six months, like Tommy left right away. A couple of people. And it's cause I was there with uh, Tim Busfield actually replaced Tom. And, um, I'm trying to remember if Mark, yeah, I think Mark Nell left pretty early. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I did. I think I did it for nine months for the first nine months of the of the run. So did that performance? Um, did that performance up your stock in Hollywood? You know what? I would say no. I I, I mean, I know that sounds crazy. I, you know, in certain circles, of course, it will, and <laughs> you never know who's taking note of that. But I I distinctly remember uh, coming back here, and honestly, maybe I should have changed agents at the time because they really didn't make much of that, and I had just done a lead in the brand new award-winning play on Broadway and, and everything. And, and they really like nowadays it would have much more resonance. Um, you know, look at somebody like Lin-Manuel Miranda or something. Yeah, I mean, not that he's like the creator of all time, but, but people are aware of what Broadway, I ser- seriously felt like I came back to Los Angeles and I didn't come back right away. I mean, again, at that time, I had a place in New York, so I was kind of back and forth. But when I sort of started to spend more time back here was the fall, that following fall. And I remember going to some meetings and people saying, what have you you been doing? Because honestly, their their focus is so limited that um, it's so narrow that I think, you know, if you're not doing what they do, they're just not aware of you. Um, But, you know, people would say, and this is what they said all the I couldn't believe it. They say, so what have, what have you been doing? And um, and I said, oh, well, I, you know, I did this this amazing play, A Few Good Men on Broadway. Um, I, you know, it's a, um, based on a real incident. But, but, and he said, oh, good, good, you're keeping busy. That is what they said. Over, you're keeping busy. And I thought, holy crap, are you kidding me? Like I was crocheting. You know right. what crocheting is keeping busy? No, I was doing a lead on Broadway. It was like really, really, really kind of a dream come true and super cool. And, and you know, but anyway, so that was actually at that time, that is what I got over keeping busy. I can't, I mean, it was the exact same phrase from many, many different people. Um, now I know that, you know, stuff like I, I, I did at the time, I don't know, the next couple of years I, I was doing, um, I didn't do real time because it didn't exist then, but you know, Bill's old show, uh, politically incorrect. I did that a bunch of times and he would always, but he was like one of the only, well, no, I guess when I did Letterman too, they'd say, you know, on Broadway and a few good men and, you know, Hill street blues and blah, 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 the Larry Sanders show, you know, like they would, they would use it as one of, they'd introduce me with that, like, like it was a valuable credit, (laughs) but, um, but anyway, yeah. So, so, keeping busy. so the Larry Sanders show, how did that come about? And what was it work like working with Gary Shandling? Because, you know, I know comics who know him who just said, you know, he was just a great guy and they used to have their pick a basketball game and all that stuff. But how did that, right, come, that how did that come about? Um, well, it was just um 
we knew a lot. Of, we had a lot of people in common. Um, Bernie Brillstein, you know, uh, Brillstein Gray, um, who, you know, he had kind of a thing with Brad where later where he sued Brad because there was conflict of interest stuff going on. But anyway, before any of that, um, I knew Bernie because Bernie had produced um, the Slap Maxwell story. They had produced Slap. They'd produced um, the pilot. I, I did a pilot for Jay Tarsus that, that he wrote. So I knew those guys pretty well. And, um, so I, I was sort of on the short list, I think for that show. And I, I just, I went in and honestly it was just up to Gary, you know, it was whoever he felt he had a, um, and I, I don't blame him. I mean, you know, if you're, if it's your show, this is one of the things you get to do, you know, he, he just felt like we had a good rapport and we could talk and it was easy and, um, because I didn't really read with him. I just, um, I think, I think maybe we kind of improvised the scene because what ultimately happened with that show is that he would, he would kind of put out a, uh, more of a, um, sort of a, um, scaffolding, <laughs> sort of a, a structure for a scene that was going to be somewhat improv you know like there were some set pieces in it where it's like well we got to talk about this we got to talk about that and there'd be lines i mean there was a script but if you went off script or you went into something or you or you know if he started to riff on something you'd go with it you know so um so it was a it was structured but a little bit improvisational at the same time and he needed somebody i guess who could who could play in that way and so we just got along i actually had to meet with him twice i remember um, and we also talked about dogs a little bit, um, because he was a big, he was a big animal guy. And so was I, I was, um, I, and continue to be a big animal person. So, uh, but, you know, we just got along and, and, uh, had a couple of meetings and, and then that was it. And who, and honestly, who knew, I thought it was a hilarious show. And, and, um, and I just remember people coming to the, uh, the read throughs and, you know, and, and, and how funny that was. And then the whole, the, you know, the, the, the sort of show within the show aspect of it was really cool. And the way they were shooting, you know, I, I, I knew it was something pretty special, but, um, uh, but it's something that people still comment on all the time. You know, it's, it was, um, it was, a, it was, a, and, it, and I think it holds up, you know, they, they, they continue, well, it's on, it's on, uh, it's available on HBO, you know, uh, sort of in their kind of archive section or whatever, but um, it's uh, it's still really funny. It's a very very funny show, and he was just he's just a really brilliant guy and and kind, a good person. Uh, my mother was extremely ill and in fact dying when that when we were shooting that show, and um, he'd lost his dad to another a different kind of cancer, and you know, and he wasn't someone who would sit down and have a big kind of, you know, mushy, soulful conversation with you necessarily, you know, I mean, he was, he tried to keep it pretty light, you know, and it's a professional environment and everything. But, but when he found out that my mother was ill, uh, you know, he just said, you know, can we talk for a while? And you, you know, how are you doing? And, and it was, it was very, very sweet. And he was also, uh, I'm going to get like choked up, but he was also incredibly sweet to her when she came to that she came to the set and it was when Carol Burnett was guest starring and, uh, and, uh, she was pretty thrilled and he was, he just came over and made her laugh and, um, he was, he was darling. He was, he was a good man. It's always great. He's when you... just so sad that he, that he's gone. It's, it was just, uh, 
Shocking. He's one of those guys that, you know, as you say, everyone has something good to say. You know, there's some people that people go, ah, oh, he's a jerk, but it seems everyone pretty much has yeah. something good to say about Gary Shandling. And as for a yeah. comic, he was like a comics comic. He would help. He helped, you know, Sully McCullough knew him very well. And Sully's a great writer and a very funny comic. And he was, you know, yeah. became friends. And it just like, he just seemed like he, I think he just enjoyed mentoring people and just being there for people. He did. He did. Yeah, no, he was, he was, he was just a real, a minch, you know, he's a good, good guy. And, um, uh, and had lots of good, there was a lot of good humor on the set and around him and a lot of comics, you know, whether they were doing the show or not doing the show, David Spade and Colin Quinn. And of course, Janine was on the show and, you know, um, that were around and, and it was because, because also under other circumstances, oh, you know, it was like best, you know, great, great friend. And, um, uh, and those guys were in the, you know, they had that basketball game, that pickup basketball game all the time. Uh, I remember David Duchovny, who I got to know a little bit up in Vancouver when I was doing Millennium. You know, he and he and Gary became really good friends. Um, he's, he was just a good, good person. Really good person. Now, after that, I know you did uh, two episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Now, I've heard... <laughs> yeah. Now, did people start recognizing you? Because I've heard Star Trek fans. I know you know Robert Picardo. You were in China Beach, and Robert had yes. Robert had told me that Star Trek fans, once they see you, they like follow all your old work, and they're like they're fanatical fans, but they love the actors. What was it like for you? I think you did two episodes. I think you played two different characters. What was your Star uh, Star Trek experience like? Well, it was funny because I did two episodes of uh, Deep Space Nine, and I also did an episode of Voyager. And um, so I did three different characters in sort of the whole, you know, Star Trek camp. And one of the one of the shows, one of the um, episodes of Deep Space Nine was an episode called Little Green Men. And and I played, excuse me, I was not an alien in that one. The other ones I was alien, <laughs> but. Uh, in the uh, in Little Green Men, I was it was a it was shot sort of like one of those fifties you know B movie um, uh, sci fi things you know with and Charles Napier who actually was in those movies in the you know he was in it he played a general and it was and it was meant um, uh, and it was shot in black and white it was it was really really cool we smoked cigarettes I mean all that it was it was this cool period piece that was meant to be um america roswell it was the roswell incident basically but as told by star trek so that roswell um quark nog and rom who were the ferengis the guys with the big ears they were the um aliens that crashed to earth in roswell new mexico and then i played this army nurse who uh is they're examining them after we, you know, we recover them and we get them out of their broken capsule or whatever. And I'm examining them and, and, uh, uh, and I, they befriend me. And basically I realize that the evil government deep state people are going to kill these guys and dissect them and I help them escape. So I'm kind of the heroine of the episode. And that episode, I have gotten more fan mail about that particular episode. Star Trek fans are like no other fans. And that episode apparently had like huge resonance for all of the, you know, for all the fans and certainly the fans of Deep Space Nine. I've gotten so much fan mail for that, just for that one episode. Um, and in the fan mail, by the way, then they'll say, have you done other things? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, this is just a guest star you know, that I did. 
and stuff. But um, but anyway, uh, people love that episode. So Bob, who is one of my dearest friends, actually, uh, he said, you know, you you need to do some of these Star Trek conventions because. You'll, you'll make a lot of money. I mean, these people are crazy for these. And they want to, you know, they come with the book and they have like these sort of encyclopedias of Star Trek and, you know, the ultimate Star Trek book and the ultimate Star Trek guide. And there'll be a picture of you with the episode and, you know, and they'll want you to sign your name next to that. And then they'll have pictures for you to sign and posters to sign, you know, all kinds of stuff. And, um, and so I did. So I've done, I haven't done, I haven't done it often, but I've done, a couple of them, I've done it, the, the big one in Vegas a couple of times, and, uh, uh, and then, of course, Bob's there, Bob's always there, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that was my Star Trek experience, and yes, um, those fans are incredibly, just, they're gonzo about, about anybody who's been on the show, and then if you've done multiple characters, you do, you be, you know, your, your stock goes way up. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So you got the taste of science fiction. Then you ended up in Millennium. Now, now is it true Chris Carter saw you on Larry Sanders and that yeah. slayed him to cast you? Did you have to read for that or did he just know you were right? Uh, no, he he wrote it. He and um, David Nutter, when he was writing it, um, I mean, Nutter told me this, that they, and well, he told me this too, Chris told me this too, that they they did, they wrote it with me in mind, that, that whatever, I, you know, qualities they felt I, I possessed were really right for this uh this woman and um uh part of it was probably the you know when you cast an older guy and a younger woman uh I think sometimes if uh I think I think even when I was younger you know when I did Slap Maxwell I was 26 when I did Slap Maxwell and Dabney was in his 50s and if you cast somebody who seems too much like a kid who's younger, it's creepy. Right. But if you cast if you cast somebody who's you know that age, but see, I, don't know, I have a deeper voice. I just I think more mature. I necessarily seem like a young little thing, and um, so I th- I'm sure that that was part of it. That they you know they knew where they were going to go with Lance and. Um, uh, and so, you know, it was going to be that, that dynamic was going to exist in that relationship. I can't, I, you'd have to ask them why they did it. But in any case, they wrote it with me in mind, but needed to meet with me for sure, uh, to make sure that I wasn't going to be some awful nightmare person, <laughs> you know, because when you sign up to do a show with somebody for a few years, you want to make sure that they're not going to drive you crazy. So, um, I did, I was, the thing for me was it was thrilling because I was a huge X-Files fan, loved that show. And so when I got this script and it was watermarked and there was all kinds of secrecy about it and I had to sign an NDA that I wouldn't talk about the pilot because, you know, it was, the X-Files was very hot at this point. I, I mean, I watched the X-Files for the first episode. Um, but, uh, when, so when I went to that meeting, I thought, oh, this so awesome. I get to meet Chris Carter. And, and, uh, and we just chatted and, uh, about things. And, and they said, we just wanted to kind of get to know. And I thought, Oh, that's nice. You know, not being put through too many hoops. And, um, and they said, do you have any more questions or do you have any questions for us? And I said, no, you know, I, I'm just, I'm a big fan of the work and everything. And I said, do you have any other questions for me? And Chris said, yes, I have a question why would you sleep with Hank Kingsley? (laughs) Which was from Larry Sanders. 
And, uh, and so he later told me, he said, I just, that show is just one of the best things. We were, you know, and they loved, loved, loved that show. And then, as it turned out, this was at, um, uh, this was at um, um, uh, Fox. And I'm sorry, my text me something and I text him back. Uh, um, this was at um, 20th Century Fox. And, um, oh, what was I going to tell you? I'm so sorry. I, my husband just distracted me by texting me something while I was... <laughs> something something was going on uh, with Millennium and then it was in oh, Fox. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, so, the, so, so Fox wanted me to test. They didn't want to just give it to me. Um, and I couldn't because I was doing a different show. I was doing the show with uh, Bruce Greenwood, this thing called Nowhere Man. And it shot up in Oregon, in Portland. And I wasn't going to be there. I was not available for the test um but it all worked out and i actually got a call while i was on the set <laughs> that they in fact had had a test but um i got the job you know that i that uh they didn't use anybody that from the test and um and i think i think it was actually peter roth who sort of also went to bat for me and and said no this is the actress that it was written for and we really want her and they made their case and they and, and i got the job so it was pretty cool pretty cool um and uh yeah we shot that up in, in vancouver canada i love canada <laughs> now did, did you did you get a cult following from that show too because it had that sort of sci-fi you know that seems like yes, the people exactly and, and what i found with these uh, conventions, even things like you know something that's supposed to be a quote unquote Star Trek convention. When I, when I, when I did the those in in Vegas, um, that in fact I you know Bob said by the way bring photographs and things from other things that you've been in because people will 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 want those too. It's not like they're only going to want Star Trek stuff, and that that was absolutely true. People. Uh, People wanted China Beach stuff, and they wanted, um, uh, and they definitely wanted Millennium stuff. And uh, and I did another one again. I haven't done too many of these. I mean, this is over the years because these things are they're on like I think they're on. They're, you could probably find one to do almost every weekend in some city. So I, I don't I don't do that. But um, but when my kids were little, uh, I was invited to do one. And, you know, and sort of with a guarantee and everything in London. And so I did one there. And, and Millennium was huge in Europe. It was really, really big in England. Um, in fact, I did a podcast for because of the show uh, about, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago for Millennium, for Millennium fans. So, um, yeah, that was uh, 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 definitely, um, you know, it's, it's in that genre and it's not just... I, to be Star Trek conventions, but now they're they're just kind of like otherworldly conventions, you know, anything that sort of fits into that category. Now you mentioned your kids. What was it like being in you know a working actor when you decided to get pregnant and when you raised your kids? Did you cut down your career somewhat just because you wanted to be around? And was it did you, did you feel <laughs> it, like it, a Hollywood? You know, honestly, there's there's so little. I mean, I. I, I don't know if, if some people pretend that there's some kind of big planning that goes into this, but honestly, I just think it's part of life and you make the best decisions you can as you go along. I mean, honestly, if I, if I, if the only thing that I cared about was my career, I would probably have gone back to New York about 10 years ago or so. 
but I didn't. Um, there's a lot of work back there. Plus, there's theater that I love much more theater than there is here. But my but once you have kids, it was more of a life decision about I I don't think. I want to go through. I met my husband relatively late. Um, we met when I was 37, and uh, and it wasn't so much that I was thinking about oh the clock is ticking and I got to get pregnant or anything like that. We didn't. I, I mean, I, I didn't have them until I was 41. Um, but but we both were at a place where in our early 40s where it was okay, do we want to do this or not? Because if we wait a little bit longer, we may not be able to, and and we may not want to. You know, you can get past that point where you want to do that. Um, or that that's what I'm told by people who decided not to do it. They said they, they kind of struggled with it until they got into their early 40s, and then they went, eh, <laughs> we, we didn't do that. So what? You know, we did other things. Um, so we were sort of at that crossroads, and we decided to go for it, and then I, we had twins, and, um, and they're the priority and that's, it's as simple as that. Um, I also have my, my, uh, my son has uh, special needs and so that has been a, another kind of, you know, wrinkle just in terms of the need for, I mean, all kids need your undivided attention, whether you have a kid with special needs or not. I, I, what I always, in fact, what I always pretty much say about special needs is all children, special needs, right. they all need be there they all need your time and your attention and your love and you know um so uh once that decision was made and i think honest i i I think really i keep saying honestly why do i say that i sound like god i sound like donald trump believe me anyway um (laughs) but one of the reasons that i i feel like i didn't have kids until later is because it's a really big deal and once you do it there was no going back, and it and it had better be a priority for the rest of your life, or, <coughs> or uh, you know, that could do a lot of damage. So now, you know, I look at your IMDb, and you've you've done guest spots in the last years on different shows, and then you're yeah. recurred on Suits. How has the industry changed? I talk to a lot of people who say, you know, now you can do an audition on tape, and it's not really, you know, where you can because it's digital, you can do four takes on one line and put it all together where in the back you'd have to nail a whole scene. How have you seen the industry change from someone who has worked for a long time and had a a very good modicum of success? Well, you know, I mean, I think things have shifted. There is less work as you get older. So that's just for me personally. Um, The, the, the self tape thing uh, is, is really very big right now. I feel bad for some of my friends that were casting directors because it's basically gotten rid of their jobs in, in, in certain ways. You know, they don't, they don't, uh, it's gotten very tough for them. Um, some of them are doing fine, but a bunch of them have had to find other things to do because they just weren't going to be able to, um, you know, if people are taping themselves and sending their auditions in to the producers, (laughs) that's kind of what the casting directors were doing. So, or they'll hire somebody to sort of narrow down the field of who they want to see, and then they see those people, and but you know they don't even have to pay for a studio. They don't have to. So it's it's very different for them. It's impacted them quite a bit. Um, and but for me, I just feel it's catch as catch can. Some years I'm busier, some years I'm not. Um, again, I really do kind of long to do a play again, so I've got to figure that out. I haven't even really had that conversation with my manager. He's really good because he knows how important that is to me and in fact has come to me with 
uh, he often comes to me with opportunities to do certain things. And sometimes I can do them and other times I really can't because, because, um, my daughter's got the lead in the, in her play and my, you know, son's IEP is happening in the spring. And, you know, so there's, there's just things that <laughs> are more important than me doing, you know, getting to go to, uh, I don't know, San Diego or Berkeley to do a play or something like that, you know, so, um, so it's 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 just constantly evolving. I I um it's funny because I was going to order some some more camera equipment. <laughs> Although the thing was really wasn't so much even for my my self tapes when I have to self tape if I don't get. I mean every once in a while I get a straight offer to do something, but um but because we're doing she created a thing called Our First Vote, and um and we were going to do some PSAs for it. Um, uh, and it's 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 very cool. She registered about fourteen hundred kids to vote. She created this thing and um, and and then trained the kids at different high schools to. Uh, it's peer to peer. The kids register the other kids, and um, and they do it online. They do it. They set up a bank of computers. Um, our record was about one hundred fifty kids. It was one hundred forty seven kids. One hundred forty seven kids in ninety minutes at Immaculate Heart High School in Hollywood. She's at a place called Harvard Westlake. And, um, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So anyway, <laughs> that's, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, uh, is keeping me busy, whether or not I'm recurring on something or start, you know, whatever. Are you excited to have her go into acting or, cause you know, your career, you've been lucky, you know, as you said, it's, yeah. it's, it's also talent. Don't get me wrong, but you've been lucky. No, you've but it is street. luck too. Yeah. You know what? I, I'm excited for her to do what she does because she's so freaking good at so many things. And I really think what's kind of fascinating to me about her is that she's kind of an amazing writer. She um, She's writing plays um, and she's been writing songs and singing songs and she's a musician and she's, you know, she's, all, she's very... Um, musical as well, but I think that she will, like, her idol is Lin-Manuel Miranda, you know, he's to, to, um, do the book and the musical and the, and the music and, and orchestrated and all of, I mean, that is, I, so I think that she will be a performer as well, but I think it's going to be because she's creating these pieces, um, which is a very different thing than what I, you know, that, than I did. I, I, trained myself so that I would get picked by other people who had the power to employ me. I feel like she's going to create the projects and she'll be in them or not. And, but she'll, but you know, she's coming at the entire process from a completely, um, from a different place. And that is exciting. I'm, I'm thrilled for her because she's so good. Um, she, uh, yeah, she's just really crazy talented. In many, many ways. Um, I should send you. She's going to do. We have a friend who's a um, mixer. Um, he's uh, His name's Dave Way. He's brilliant. He's got a couple of Grammys. And he's going to put, um, he's going to do some new mixes of some of her original stuff. And, you know, but that's like just another thing that she does. And then she went, she went to um, the University of Paris this past summer for a month. And, uh, and she got the, the um, department award for creative writing and, you know, she, she writes these stories and, and she can write in all these different styles. She's amazing. She's amazing. I mean, part of it is music because writing is 
essentially musical, you know, in, in, in many ways. It's um, understanding dialects, rhythms, cadence, you know, character. It has a lot of music in it, so a lot of that's related. But, yeah, she's really, really um, very, very talented. So so I'm thrilled for her. Um, but, but like I said, it's, it's, it's very cool that she's coming at it from a completely different, a much, a much smarter angle <laughs> than I did. Well, that's awesome. You know, I, I want to thank you for coming on. You know, it's, I, I just, the stories are great, you know, and, you, and you've had a well, great thank career. thank you. And as I said, you know, people go, and I tell my listeners this all the time, go to IMDb, type in Megan Gallagher. <laughs> And find her, find her stuff, and you know, find you can find that Star Trek episode. I'm sure you can find anything on TV right now, except the White sure. Shadow. I can't find many White Shadows. They played it one time. I love that show. I can never find it. But people, so oh, I wasn't on the White Shadow. Did they? Did somebody get me on the White no, Shadow? No, no, no. I was saying they know that. I'm, I'm saying that's just one of the shows I can't find. Not that you're on, but you, oh, you try to okay. find some certain shows. I know that was a cool, cool show. It yeah. was, you know, I watched. They had a marathon a few weeks ago. And then it disappeared. Uh, but their stuff was so before its time. Like they had the students sleeping with the teacher. And back then, that was taboo. Now it happens all the time. Well, it was Bruce Paltrow. It was Bruce Paltrow. And, and it was at MTM. Those were, the, those were the guys they were doing. They did that. And that was where Hill Street Blues and the Mary Tyler Moore show. And, and you know, like all those, all those, um, and all those shows were created like in that little place over there on Radford in, the, in, in Studio City. There were some really, really cool um, it was Bochco, David Milch, Bruce Paltrow. Those guys were brilliant. They changed, and they changed television. And they it, did. I mean, that was a very cool, again, character-driven, dryly funny show. Really yeah. smart show. Yeah, it's great. So people follow Megan. Go check her out. Follow me on Twitter. I'm, yeah. at, I'm at Cooper Talk. Also, go to my website, CooperTalk.net. You can email me, email me, Cooper at CooperTalk.net. And you guys have a great week. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you guys next week.